killer. So I guess first of all, thanks Mike for uh, taking time to do this. You were supposed to be doing this like a year ago, and if we would have waited on many people procrastinating yeah, for years. So I know. Thank you for putting it together. No. Well, and I'm glad there's people behind the scenes too that have been trying to get us together to do shit like this. Yeah. And also just the team that's here today, like big up. Um, I assembled all this, you know, night before, so it's really I'm stoked. Yeah, it's dope. I mean, right. multi cameras, lights, totally. A cool art gallery. Yeah, big up to uh, Black Book Gallery for uh, giving us the spot. You know, I was trying to think of a place where we could hang out and talk on camera, but smoke be able to uh, smoke. Yeah, because <laughs> you and I are smokers. Yeah. Not, not cigarette smokers. <laughs> we eat a lot. Yeah, do you smoke cigarettes at all? Nah, I smoke, I smoke cigarettes when I was like actively trapping. Like, you know, in the late What's 90s. trapping? Because I know trapping. a lot of people, like my parents, don't know what trapping is. All right, is. trapping sounds really cool now when you hear, like, like one of my favorite groups is Amigos. They made trapping mm. sound incredible. And when you're 14 and you're making a little petty money selling drugs, it is incredible. But when I was young, because I'm you know, older than those guys, trapping was because you couldn't sell on Front Street. Like, you didn't have real credit. You couldn't sell at the car wash. You fucking, I was wrong. So they, your ass found a place in the back of the apartments or in the cul-de-sac that was blocked was one way in, one way out. So you were essentially trapped. You know, you were doing the act of trapping because you trapped the money, but if the cops came, you were trapped too. So when I was actively doing that type of shit, um, and by then, late 90s, everybody was trapped because it wasn't no power. It was late 90s. Yeah, it was like I'm smoking Newports because my, my fucking nerves are fried. Like I got, uh, and it helps with that. I've never been a cigarette smoker. Yeah, it, well, it helped. It, it helped. It helped helps you be doing something, you know. Because mm -hmm. for me, I didn't. I didn't want to be there. I had already started making steps to be out buying equipment, recording. I'm just like, but any day, I'm just like, cops are gonna fucking kick in my door. I'm gonna get. Well, I've off. had a lot of friends that's happened to. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got a record deal, mm -hmm. and the day I signed my deal, I just never felt that pressure or panic again. So mm -hmm. I never smoked another cigarette. I smoked marijuana. That was. That was that. That's cool. So wow. So you were in the trap. You were you were doing it. By the end, I was doing some more trap captain. I was trapping off the beeper <laughs> on the phone. You'd have to call me. Okay. I'd pull up on you. I would But you know, as a teenager, as a kid in high school, you needed money and new shoes. Yeah, you. Okay. You, you, you'd get it. And what kind of shit were you selling? Yeah, little fifty dollars slabs, hundred dollars slabs. Like. Oh, okay. You do because cocaine was a thing in the seventies and eighties. You know, capitalism demands stuff become easier, cheaper. Crack essentially. Um, the way of cheap method of getting the same cocaine how people smoke through these little glass thing called pipes yeah. and what would happen is kids were first used as lookouts and then kids were used as agents so when the police started busting and they did the unfair and wrong where 500 grams of cocaine was equivalent to 5 grams of crack <clears throat> you couldn't be 21 at the car wash anymore so what you would do is take little 13, 14, 15 year old you give them what they call a bomb so you get like a thousand dollar bomb you make at that time, it was giving the younger guys, you know, hundred dollars, hundred, you know. But mm -hmm. if you were smart, you was like, I want more money. Like I deserve twenty cent off a dollar. You know what I mean? Twenty. I guess sure. get to it. Or <laughs> if they don't want to, you know, agree to negotiate, you just run with the bomb. Yeah. And they'll come back for a while. You know. Huh. So that that was the introduction to it. Yeah. And that was, I mean, you know, was that just because that was like the, the easiest gig? It seems like it's sketchy. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are drug dealers, and they don't feel like it's that risky, per se. Yeah, I mean, this, 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 this is 20, 30 years removed, though, from the height of the crack era. Like, nobody had seen yeah. that type of shit. And it's like, I wouldn't, when you're 15, you're not a real drug dealer. You're trying to get Jordans. 
So my, you know, you means to an end. Yeah, you're like, you know, so you feel like I could fucking go apply at Burger King and hopefully get a job and work a month, or I could just go to where my cousin lives in the apartment. I could stand around for a few hours and I could make hundred fifty dollars off a hundred off a hundred or I mean off a fifty dollar fifty dollars. I feel like just having like friends that were like that, those opportunities just to like help somebody flip something, just like just take this to this guy's place, you know, and don't you know whatever, and I'll give you some money. Yeah, exactly. You might give them something off the top. That's how trap houses kind of came, like attitude. Mm had homes and stuff, they would say, well, essentially, you can trap out of here. It was mm-hmm. safe for the men on the street, yeah. and you pay them a percentage of right. something for the day. Sure. Like, people are enterprising. Like, people tend to look down on drug dealers. Like, I hear people, you know, every time it seems like a guy like Jay-Z will get an award or someone claim, oh, you're celebrating a former crack dealer. He's enterprising. Like, well, we, ce- we, we celebrate, we celebrate criminality in this country in any other way until it comes to a group of black or brown or poor white kids. You know, and if you're a poor white kid selling selling meth in North Florida, they criminalize you. But you know, with that said, some of your legislators are making deals with big pharma that allow these pills to flood in the community, and they're getting you know staples up. It, it always amazed me though that that the poor and criminality kind of get looked down at when really you're looking at capitalists. You're looking at people who figuring out you know how to make a way and how yeah. to capitalize off their circumstance. Sure, sure. Can can we? Spark up one here. Oh yeah, yeah. What you got? What Kush? I brought an OG Kush, yeah, a cool. real heavy one too. Good. I brought some chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. That's what we smoked earlier. I brought four of those. We already smoked two of them before we even started. Filming or nothing. That's pretty cool. I wrote a little tight this while that's all right. Oh yeah. We always that. end up smoking a lot. Well, I smoke all day, don't you? I, less now, but yeah, I do. Yeah. My wife smokes all day. Shana, like Shana is. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, she she's be on some vibration shit, so she be smoking. She is she is cool. I vibe with Jay. Yeah, I fuck with Jay. I fuck with Jay. She the boss. Yeah, no doubt, definitely. When did you start smoking grass? Um, I tried it at twelve with Jamie Freeman and my cousin and all our friends in elementary school at Collier Heights. Went up in the woods. Jamie had stole something from his dad, but it was like that weed was. I just don't like. I don't like. I don't like like um. I just don't like dirt weed. You know what I mean? I don't like weed. You know, <laughs> like dirt weed. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, you know, I got older people, they won't smoke with me. Like, my aunts and stuff would be like, yo, no. I no, no, I understand yeah, that. So. I mean, it's a lot stronger than even yeah, what they yeah. might have been messing with in the 60s. But, I, ne- but I, never, I never liked it. Like, I never liked the taste of it. You know what I mean? So, I did it. It was cool. I did it again a couple times in high school because of Red Man and, you mm-hmm. know, Snoop made it thing. But mm-hmm. I sold weed, too. Like, yeah. So I was like, I wasn't gonna smoke, I'm selling it. And so I really didn't start smoking weed until I was like mid-20s, big boy. Them was working on a, a song, record project, something, and Talib Shabazz, who was the underground radio guy, brought him some beautiful orange bugs from California. Mm-hmm. And man, big rolling, and we got so stoned. It was his honest birthday, we just were yeah. locked in his face. No, I understand yeah. that. Growing up in Albuquerque, I smoked a lot of dirt weed. And then there were occasions when people brought stuff from California or something, and I was just like, whoa, what is this? Exactly, exactly. This is drugs. That's when I knew I loved marijuana. <laughs> yeah, like when I got that feel, I was like, ooh, like this yeah. is it. Yeah. So thank God for Snoop pushing the line on it, you know? Yeah, and right. Red Man, and Red Man really, yeah. and Cypress really pushed the line musically for me. Yeah, it's a thing though. Like, I feel like when I got involved with graffiti writing in 89, I mean, that really kind of got me really in the trenches with hip-hop on some level, too. Yeah. And all them guys smoked grass. Yeah, what's up with, mm-hmm. the, like, people, I mean, it's crazy, though, when you look at it, like, people seek out, like, music 
and writing is separate, but essentially they come out of the same group thing. You know, so that's always crazy, but I've always, to be a writer, you gotta be the bravest of men. So I, I guess I do see why you gotta do drugs. Like a lot of the writers I know, like do drugs, like. No, that's definitely, yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely it too. I mean, I've, you know, known about heavy drug use through my graffiti writing yeah. friends over the years. Yeah, that's for sure. my, one, of my, one of my dear friends, a member of the Dungeon family, Dax, like he really is my, my gateway into Dax. the writer where you're like, Dax. D-A-X? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's that's, that's my man, so. Oh, that's cool. He's the person that kind of taught me about the culture. You know, yeah. after he got kind of separate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he was the one that let me know, like, drugs, yeah, drugs are everywhere, too. So, you yeah, know, don't, don't cool. kill yourself having too much fun. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, <coughs> if you always just smoke grass, I mean, if you experiment with other stuff, like psychedelics or, Swift, you know. Outcast D that covered as a Swift. He got you know, mushrooms the first time. I really trust him. Like when did you brother. first do mushrooms? Mushrooms seven seven years ago, eight seven eight. Oh, years not ago. that long ago. That long ago. Oh, but great. like them, like fell in you love. Liked it? Yeah. Good. Don't don't like it around red lights. Red lights don't do. And because red lights, red lights, like I started hearing, they trigger hearing for me. This gets it's a little too much for me. How weird. Yeah, it is. Oh, but I'm interesting. Faded. But I'm faded. Interesting. But you, have you done it more than once? Yeah. 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 I well, used I, to do mushrooms. I was like the dude that was always down. If anybody had mushrooms and they were like, yo, I can't find anybody to do mushrooms with me, will you do it? And I'd be like, yeah, you want to do them right now? And they're like, oh, no, bro. I was thinking maybe this weekend or the next, but yeah, I was like, yeah. I really yeah, all through do, the 90s. I really want to do it with L now. Yeah. I'm doing the process of making a record. Oh, good. Yeah. There's some shrooms involved. Oh, yeah, every record. <laughs> shrooms and peanut butter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What other artists can you think of where shrooms might be? I mean, I can think of Willie Nelson. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> you know? I'm sure every rock album in the late 70s had some shroom involvement. Right. Like Floyd, yeah. Pink Floyd had to do something. I, I really feel like the use of uh, hallucinogens is a really, uh, I don't know, not talked about subject in the world at large, you know, and frankly, it's uh, such a powerful force within the creative community, it seems like. It you is. Know, even in technology, it turns out now, people are admitting, oh, I've been microdosing, you know, all these years. Yeah, just a little bit. About doctors you know. actually, surgeons actually microdosing. Man. I was yeah. like, word, like, yeah. it spooked the shit out of me on a certain level. But I get it, because, like, the only thing that's really real about all this is that we agree on it. Mm-hmm. Like we agree that that's a street. We agree that you go each direction. We agree. We've agreed these things. Absolutely. But that's just your mind just falls into compliance with the system. But there's something else. There's something behind that camera. There's, a, there's sure. something behind the wall. That opens you up to that. And that once you recognize that freedom, it's hard to kind of comply. You know, again in the same way, it's hard yeah. to be given three choices and say you have to choose these three or you're not a good person. You know what I mean? People, people, psychedelics, I understand why psychedelics are always talked about because it really shows that you're willing to kind of break the norm. I think most people just want to get a perception they're getting along. Yeah, I think it's cool that you've done that because, you know, I know a lot of people that just won't mess with it. People that do, you know, heavy drugs and whatnot, like, daily. And I'm like, yo, you want to do some acid? And they're like, no way, man, I couldn't handle that. And I'm like... Really? <laughs> I just saw you eat a handful of pills, bro. Like, that would kill me in ten minutes. Like, 
Really? Wow. Yeah, it's just different strokes for different folks. I mean, even what we're smoking here, we just sense some people into oblivion. Like, yeah, I've been feeling sick and like tripping out. And then I'm already kind of going, not wah, 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 yeah. you know, which is cool. That's why I smoke heavy. Like, I smoke heavy indica. It's very heavy. Like, I don't. And I don't usually mess with the indica so much until yeah. like later in the evening. Yeah, in my mind, if I, it'll, it's hard to focus if I don't, you know. It's, I got so much going, you, you want Yeah, I mean, do you, do you feel like, you know, I've heard, you know, sativa gets you high, indica gets you stoned. Do you kind of like feel stoned. that way? Yeah, I feel that. As not, far as how the different things yeah. work, because I know a lot of people just think weed is weed, not but there's actually two distinctively different plants, absolutely, absolutely, right? Absolutely. A tall one, a short one, a little yeah. chubby, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, the fucking I, I, other plants are. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just think that, that a lot of people should understand there is a big difference between those two sensations. There is, there is. Because yeah. like, when you're high, you're creative, you'll get up, you'll clean up your room, mm -hmm. you, do, you know, and when you're stoned, you're sitting there and you're in your mind. Yeah. And usually for me, laser focus on one thing, getting one decision made, mm -hmm. two things. And when I'm high, you know, it's kind of just like it's bouncing around. So and I can see, though, from your artwork how Sativa's work out of you, because when you look at your art, you look at something like bold, it's usually centered or symmetrical yeah. or some type, and then there's so many little things that kind of pull yeah. you in and in. in. Yeah. I, I see how you have to have some TV high to do that. I see, you know what I mean? There's something about that, I suppose. I mean, yeah. I get really, really into it and just kind of focus on like an inch at a time, you know? That's cool. I'm glad you noticed that because that's something I proactively do and something I love about artwork is that, you know, like when you walk into the room, it's attractive from, yeah. say, 20 feet and then there's something else you want to see and then it looks a little different and cool at 10 feet and then five and have two and then right with your nose on it. Absolutely. I think that's what I'm always trying to do is, is you know, do exactly that. Those are the subtleties I think that people don't, like, get about. Like why you why people like I art nerded out just being a kid. It's to me it either speaks to you or it doesn't. So as a kid, it wasn't cool to do that in the environment I was in. But man, I would just love going and looking at a picture and getting pull, 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 pull. So I've never really understood the exact terminologies and I mean, even though I, I was in art class and had a ball there, I was just like, I'm trying to draw and do some shit. I'm really not paying attention to every yeah. every artist from the romantic period you want me to know. But I recognize that the stuff that I really love draws me. Yeah. And your stuff did that from the time my man White Boy D like turned me on. White Boy D. White Boy D. Thanks, man. White Boy D. White Boy D is the is the um, <laughs> Is that white, some well, White Boy helping out? White boy. You're in Atlanta, so Atlanta, 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 Atlanta's a black city. For those okay. who don't know, right? So Atlanta's a black city. And D, D man, Derek is like he's 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 literally my brother. He's he's white. He's a white kid and. Um, he he is one of the most one of the most fair and honest and like just human loving human beings I've ever known. He was like one of the younger homies in the, like the crew grind time, like my, my rap crew grind time, rap anyway. Yeah. So White Boy D turned me on to you. He turned me on to Sylvia G. But he was oh, like he was like bro, yeah. He was like bro, I know you'll you'll like this shit. You know what I mean? Because I was I'm into black and whites, and then I was in the illustration yeah. He sent me. I was just like, whoa, that's cool. And then my homies that were writers really took me down the rabbit hole, like, y'all, you gotta oh, see right. this. The and then I got pulled yeah. in it. So like That's even cool. getting to know you before I befriended you, yeah. it was like one of your paintings where one initial thing pulled me through.
But the more I learned, the cooler you fucking became. Huh, and then good. just to get a call like, hey man, Sprite, I heard you coming to town. It's, yeah. Like that's that's like you just to me as a human being, man, you are a walking representation of like your style. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a fan. Besides being a friend, like I'm a real no, I, I get, fan yeah, of yours. I can't. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that all the time. Yeah. I'm just I'm just who I am. And that and that's like, what's dope. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> you know, people can have their misconceptions or notions or whatever. And I like to uh, surprise people too. You know, for sure. Um, what's up with the car thing, dude? I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, we were talking earlier. You have a few cars. Yeah. Like, have uh, you? I mean, is it something from growing up as a kid? Did somebody in the family have a baller car, and you were just like, ah? Yeah, well, my, tell me. I want to know. My um, I had one of those grandfathers that would get like when he was a younger man, say he get a new Chevrolet every two years. You know, in my. Um, That's a thing, huh? Yeah. Every yeah. two years, you get the new one. Yeah, my wife's like that. Trade in your old one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I buy, I'm buy them, I sign them and sell them, but cash. Yeah, my grandma told yeah. my wife like, yeah, my um, my husband give me a new car every two years. Like they were just so cars was a big thing, you know, as an American. But my cousins, man, who were the children of my grandparents, like sisters and brothers, were all maniacs. Like they were building like fucking what? nuts. Like all like they drove fast or something. Man, they were all about fast cars and going to. And what, when was that that they were going fast? What years? That was. 79 through 94. Okay, because my dad uh, was a drag racer. Yeah. He met my mother and used to take her to the drags and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like he was doing that in the 60s. Yeah, like it was a real thing. We'd go up to Cummings, we'd go out to Eaton, you know, Mm -hmm. places like that. And you go, it was a family day with the cars, but but on the streets, my cousins were driving like Ford Fairlanes, IROCs. They were um, souping up Monte Carlos, building Novas and shit. So it was just like I was around these just dope ass cars. And in my 85, my grandmother bought a black Buick. And Which Buick? She, she didn't buy a Grand National. But you didn't know if you didn't know. Uh. If you were just looking at my grandmother's car on the street, you were looking at a Grand National. If you didn't know, there's all the hubcaps different or some shit. Uh, okay. So, man, I had so much fun in that car, and I fell in love with the Grand with, with the Buick T-Types and Grand Nationals. In 87, they dropped the GNX. It was over. I was like, I got to have this shit. So, 80s. Now, now I drive, but my Hellcat is my daily driver. And what year is the Hellcat? The Hellcat is last year, okay. um, 2017. Did you do anything to that thing, or did yeah, it just stop? Um, yeah, man. Um, so you're you're kind of making them race ready. Yeah, I'm having fun. I got this one. This do one. You, do you race ever? Or? I don't race. I'm a, yeah. I, did you I, ever? Nah, I run the street. Yeah, hell yeah. Like you did street race. Yeah, I fuck around. Okay. Yeah, I'm no legend, no shit. I just fuck around. No, no. Bad. I just wondered if you did. Yeah, I've done some know, dumb shit. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's still uh, isn't that a felony? Yes, that's what I've done the dog shit, yeah. No, that's the thing. I was thinking earlier that, you know, I might not have done violent crime, but, I mean, I've done thousands of felonious acts, I almost, you know, and I it's almost, like, if you're racing cars, that's an automatic felony. Yeah, once you, get, once, you, once, you kid, once you kid 90 and above, you're going to jail. That's you, what I thought. Yeah, you can figure yeah. that shit out later. Right. You're going to jail, so you might as well go yeah. faster. Right. Out no, I've been in some high-speed chases. I understand the logic. T.I. is a great driver. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, he should race for real. Like, tip, yeah. tip. My man Bear, he's riding with a bear. Got yeah. out of the car and said he'd never ride with tip again. <laughs> <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah, tip is, tip is the shit. Like, he's, he'll fuck around and, yeah. and he'll escape. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just it. Classic Malone races. Uh-uh. 
Classic Malone, homies from um, Long Beach. He actually, he actually used to train. Yeah, yeah. My the on my father's side, they all raced. All the brothers. That's dope. They all had, um, you know, Carson sixties, Buick, a Corvette, and a Mustang. And what's crazy is you got to work up. Like these are the guys that are like working regular jobs and then yeah. still doing them and building them on the weekends. No, that's the thing. You know, it missed me. Like when I was a kid, I you had zero interest in cars yeah. other than. Going to the car shows because that was like art to yeah. me, and I loved uh, lowriders. Yeah, you know. So if I was out skateboarding or something and I saw a cruise happening, I'd stop and sit on my board and just watch. You know, yeah. just being that like bright ass white kid just sitting there like, wow, cool cars, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, ooh, um, he's hopping. All right, <laughs> you know. Oh shit. Totally. Well, and also, you know, I had to learn, I guess a little later, there's that whole thing about getting girls and attracting the girls with the flossy ride. And I also had uh, had buddies that weren't like classically handsome, you know what I mean? But they had fresh rides and that was their like hook, you know what I mean? And it was, uh, I used to go cruising with them and they would always tell me like, you got to realize you're killing my game sitting passenger seat with your goofy blonde ass, you know, because I was doing it in Albuquerque, you know, and it was just like all Latino and Mexican, you know. That was some beautiful cars, man. Oh, man. We were walking. Yeah, yeah. Well, out, of a, out of a show um, in Arizona or Albuquerque or somewhere, mm-hmm. and it was, a, it was a cruise going down the street, so we couldn't cross. It just looked at these beautiful old riders. Yeah, I bet you it was Albuquerque because the main drag is right where most of the venues are. That's exactly where it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just step right out front and be going on on like a Sunday. It was pretty dope. Yeah, it was. I think. I think we were yeah, playing. Yeah, that's the that's the one. That's totally dope. no. That's, that's that culture legendary. is like it's amazing all the cultures that kind of make up this country of ours. That culture is such an important one. Like currency is a friend of mine. He hmm. he has. A lot more cars than anybody. He mm-hmm. he has low riders that are beautiful, and he you could tell on artistic level he pre, he loves it. But just on a cultural level, yeah. he started such a thing in New Orleans, like in terms of everybody getting together. Because you know car clubs mm-hmm. can kind of be here and they get together for venues and, and venues. Oh yeah, totally. And and he has car clubs everybody just cruising, man. Yeah, absolutely. I love him. I love him for it. Yeah, I'll actually be a bit of that part of that pretty soon. My box truck is getting. Uh, yeah, you told me it'll be slammed. It's looking sick, man. You're gonna try to drive to Atlanta. Sunk a lot of money. You'll come to my shop in Atlanta. Well, the the plan is next year, if it's all good, to do a tour of the country and just do little pop-ups. I want so you to go over like some posters out of the back. It'll have a full sound system, so I'll be able to just pull up and just throw a damn party. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I'll be coming to it right now. <laughs> For sure. Mike Giant at the yeah. Swag Shop. Yeah, right? Your dad was a barber, so we get your dad to come hang out for you. Oh, man. Yeah, my I dad wanna... would be so pumped. He wants to meet you. I want to yeah. meet you. Yeah, totally. Ever since I showed him the Bernie video, I was like, wow, he's a really interesting guy. And you know this guy? He likes what you draw, huh? Okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Your parents will never really see you as a superstar. It's well, like you're a superstar. They get it, though. They get it, but they don't steal. You're still just their kid. Like, my grandmother was like Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Right, yeah, for sure. I get that. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask you, you know, we talked a little bit about it, I guess, yesterday was uh, meditation. I think a lot of people know that I'm into it and do it. And yeah. even like the Mass Appeal video that I did was on meditation practice, trying to kind of hit people to what I do. But is that something that you do? That's something that I'm learning to do. 
I think that we're always yeah. learning to do it. That's well, why we call it a practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Nah, yeah. I'm primary. Yeah, yeah no, my, I feel you. My That's wife cool. is really into it. And yeah. I would say over the course of the last year and a half, I've gotten more into it. I just don't give myself too much credit because I'm no guru or griot. But when I am, I understand the concept of breathing from a man whose name was um, Terrence. His name is Sifu Terrence Walker. Hmm. He's actually a Kung Fu instructor. And oh, okay. friends of mine studied with him. They took me to the classes. He considered me a student, although I never showed up to class like a student should. But he would come to me, talk to me. But he taught me just, first of all, just the concept of breathing. Just, mm -hmm. Different and breathing releasing. techniques. Yeah, and what you're really doing is you're allowing your body to get out of your mind's way, and then you let your body, your mind get out of your mind's way. And then you kind of, for me, you literally get in touch with the spirit, you know, whatever you are, whatever it is, right. because all of the other stuff that kind of comes at me just quiets out. So yeah. last time I yeah. meditated was probably a week and a half ago, and, you know, I know that something happened. Sure. Like, so yeah. I, I, I would say I'm new to it because... When my wife does it, I literally see a shift and a change when she's intense. And just on a daily basis, I see how she handles things with more grace. But the times that I've really focused on unfocusing and not doing, I've come out the other side much sharper and grown a little bit. Yeah. So I guess y'all got a convert in me because for years I just talked shit to her about it. But well, shit and rightfully so. It's something you have to experience. And I think people have a lot of really uh, wrong ideas about what it is, yeah. even. You know, because like, like formally, <coughs> I think what you're doing is pretty much exactly what I do, which is called Vipassana, where you're using your breath as the uh, anchor, basically. So as every thought arises in your mind, you just go, oh, okay, I'm, I don't need to think about that right now. I'm trying to meditate, yeah. come back to your breath. Yeah. And just kind of try to stay with your breath exactly. as long as you can without going off on exactly. a story exactly. or whatever. Exactly. Right? And that's just the basics of it. Yep. Yeah, no, nah, and I think that that's the, that's it, really, as far as that type of meditation goes, which I think is the one that most people find the most advantageous, yeah. and you have some, some progression yeah. with it, you, you know, it, it sh and, and to me it's like this thing that it shows its worth, and yeah. that's why I continue to do it. Yeah, if it didn't, I would I would have said, well, screw this. Yeah. This is a waste of my time. You actually go go on retreats like you are in the woods. Yeah, I get down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll do it for a week at a time. And, and so you're for a week. What's a week like? Like when I'm going oh, in the woods, I'm coming easy. back with fish, fowl, <laughs> or fur. Like I've killed yeah. something. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? That was how I was sure. taught you doing the woods. Sure. But with that said, yeah, I, 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 Dick Gregory told me and my wife to go outside, hold hands, just look at a tree, and it transformed even the way. I kind of just looked at uh, yeah, that's, I was some classic Buddhist stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, we did it. Yeah. And yeah. we called. And then we just walked yeah. in the woods a little more and got a gone. But I wouldn't yeah. sit in the fucking woods. You sit in the woods. Like you yeah. sit in the woods. Sure. I mean, just to answer your question about like what the kind of schedule is like, yeah, it's well, kind of the same every day. So we get up basically at about dawn and we'll do a sit. And all the sitting periods are about 40 minutes. And then you've got. 10 minutes usually or 15 in between and then you start another 40 minute period. So say in the morning we'll get up, we'll do a sit and then we'll do breakfast and a little break. It's always vegan every meal. It's always delicious. Gotcha. They teach you to eat mindfully so that basically you put something in your mouth, you set the fork down and then you chew it 
in meditation until it's all gone. And then you go for some more. And by Something the end of the week, you're eating a lot less. Gosh. It's, it's a, that alone is a radical thing. But then after that, we'll do sit, and then we'll do uh, walking. Um, How about, so what's a sit? So a sit is basically me. just what, we're, what we do. Okay. You know, uh, formally, you're just trying to keep your back straight. So if you're sitting in a chair, it's better to sit right on the edge of the chair gotcha. so you're not leaning back. Gotcha. But, you know, I'll sit uh, kind of on my knees with my feet behind me with the cushions kind of under my butt. Yeah. And I'll just kind of keep my hands loosely in my lap. And I can sit like that indefinitely. I could probably die like that because my spine is kind of trained. It's like a, gotcha. <laughs> you know, it just knows. You know, and so and that whole period, sleep. yeah, any thought that arises, I just try to come back into concentration with my breath. And usually I do it right here at the, the, no, the nostrils. So I can really feel the air coming in and out pretty clearly there. Gotcha. You know, and I, I just try to remember too to relax my whole body. A lot of people, to think they need an upright back, they think they need to have their stomach muscles tight, but no, you want that little soft Buddha belly, you know, so you're you're relaxed, but you're straight. Got it. You know, so I'm here. Yeah. So yeah, and that's it. Forty minutes of that, and then you'll hear a bell. You open your eyes. You know, another bell, and then you get up. No talking. No eye contact with anybody. Let's give it 20 seconds. You want to do 20 seconds? Mm -hmm. All right, I'm down. All right. Who's got to count? Somebody, yeah, somebody could just do a snap or yeah, a fine. little uh, whistle or something. Good. When we're ready. All right, you ready? All right. Okay. That's rad. That, that did so much just to bring my, uh, I can feel it in my arms. Like all that weed tension kind of. It's just like swoosh. Yeah. I'm gonna keep doing that shit. I, got I think now. you should. I think everybody should. I think it's one of those things that just uh, doesn't get taught to us. You know? Why? Well, the powers that be don't want us to awaken. <laughs> you know, they're not going to try to support that just as much as why are hallucinogens illegal? Yeah. Really? Come on. Yeah. I mean, they work for a long time. Yeah. They're about to say that some guy's going to get naked and go kill people in the street. It sometimes happens, but that could happen with anybody on anything. Guy could go D on bananas and freak out in the freeway. You know, like whatever. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a bullshit uh, logic. Yeah. That's just the fear to get sold. It, it's almost like you get sold so much fear. People need to meditate just based on the fact we're all wound too tight. Oh, we are wound too tight. I think the, the whole thing with meditation is doing one thing at a time. In the case of that practice, we're breathing. That's all we're doing. We're not supposed to be conceptualizing it. Think about what we're going to do tomorrow or what we're going to eat as soon as we get out of here. That kind of shit. It's one thing. you know. And I think that our culture prides... Uh, itself on the ability to multitask. You know what I mean? I see so many people, like even on the bus, where they'll have like a laptop in their lap and they're on their phone and they got the headphones going. 
And I'm just like, whoa, all right. It's just, yeah, it's super bizarre, you know? Um, you know, I know we just talked about meditation, but to switch gears a little bit, um, I'd like to talk about guns. <laughs> yeah, we both Can we talk about guns, guns a little yeah. bit? <laughs> you, know, um, you know, not to be shrill or whatever about it, but just like, you know, I, I feel like we both have real opinions about it. And, you know, just to predicate, I guess, where I'm coming from, uh, my father's a Vietnam veteran, uh, always had guns in the house, taught me how to use them safely and properly at about 10 years old, I'd say. Um, he continues to carry, always has. Um, I've seen him pull it out to stop uh, violence from happening. People are getting ready to jump into it, and he's that guy that's like, you guys need to get back in your cars. You told me. That's just it. And I've seen him do that a few times in different situations. You know, he's, he's not to be messed with. <laughs> you know, he's a mellow dude. But, Especially when but that's the thing. Hey. I feel like he's a responsible American. Yeah. You know, he's not going to let somebody take advantage of him. Um, but he's reasonable about it, and he's smart about it, and he's a good Christian dude. You know what I mean? Um, and now, you know, I have some myself. And I don't hope I ever have to actually use them against a person or something. Yeah, you don't I do want to go hunting. You know, I have a good hunting rifle, and I'm excited to try that. I'll go on my first boar hunt this year. Oh yeah, yeah. damn. How about you know we do? Okay. All right, all right. But like, what's uh, what's kind of your history with uh, firearms and stuff? That was it something in the family? Always has been. Yeah, it's always been. There. My dad was a cop when I was a younger kid. Your so dad was a cop when I was younger. Um, how like uh, how many years? Like, how many years like, did he do that? He did it a few years. Um, through like some elementary school years. Oh, okay. In Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Atlanta huh. Police Department. Um, huh. You know, the first eight Atlanta police officers that were black, the year they were let in, they weren't even allowed to have guns. They weren't allowed to arrest white people, and they Whoa. weren't they weren't allowed to change in the police station. So. Well, I guess those are those incremental steps, right? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like kind of fucked up, and I'm yeah, like, well, no, yeah. I know how that shit works. That's how I had to work with pop. Yeah, exactly. Incremental steps. Even though it shouldn't be like that. That's no, no, I get you. I get you. So, for me, I always had a sincere respect. Even when I didn't have a reverence for police officers, I had a respect for black police officers because it's a hell of a position to be in. Because on one hand, you understand the people you're policing, and on the other hand, you're an instrument of the state at times to suppress their rights for whatever reason. You know what I mean? So sometimes you're the guy that was a police athletic league cop that was one of the best influences in my life, and sometimes you're the asshole that's kicking my ass because I was trapped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what it is. So, I, you know, cops, my, my opinion on cops is a little different than others, but on guns it's a lot different because in my family, you know, we looked at guns from a very practical standpoint of, the men in my family from the deep and rural south. So a gun was a tool. It was a tool to kill things, to eat, or to yeah. use yeah. at and around your immediate environment. Yeah. So in the case of rifles, you used a rifle because you needed to kill rabbit. You know, yeah. used shotgun because you needed to kill a type of bird. You know, Same with my uh, yeah. bloodline history. Yeah, yeah. and a shotgun hunters. protected your yeah. house. But on a, on a, because I was raised by my grandparents, I was not raised by my parents. Mm. Guns meant something significantly different to me because my grandparents, people don't understand when people hear Jim Crow. Oh, America was in Jim Crow until that Jim Crow sounds like a friendly, weird neighbor. You Isn't know that why Jim, they kind of yeah, call it that? Exactly. Jim it's kind Crow, of ambiguous. Yeah. Jim Crow's apartheid. Yeah. It was where you could be murdered for being black 
because you went to the wrong part of town on your way to somewhere else. Sure. You know, Jim Crow was, if you thought you were too uppity or if you were bold enough to talk back, we'll hang you in public spectacle before other people to keep you on. And the only way you resist that type of tyranny or that type of terrorism is with violence. So the gun in my immediate surroundings with my grandparents was a tool of, you're not gonna interrupt my freedoms because you feel like it. So when I was told about guns by my grandfather, I was told from a gun about guns in terms of fishing, hunting, and don't get fucked up. You know, yeah. if you were if you were gonna put him in a position where he had to fear for the life of himself or my grandmother or his children, you were certainly gonna die on the other side of that. Yeah. Because in his lifetime, he had grown up in a time where it wasn't safe to be a black boy in Eden, Georgia. And my grandmother, I asked her, y'all weren't ever afraid of the Klan, you were in Alabama. The depths of racism, and they had a hundred acre farm. My grandmother said it's about an eighth of a mile, a quarter mile driveway. Crap. She said if the Klan was fearless enough to bring their ass down that driveway, them crackers were gonna sit back up on the horses dead. Because her sure. father made sure that they shot, his wife shoot, yeah. he shot. So yeah. guns were a tool for me of understanding not only would you feed yourself with this tool, if in case of defense of your freedoms or your life, in a very real way, not some ambiguous, you might get robbed or some shit. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm 1980, at that point you're only 15 years mm -hmm. into freedom. We've only been free as black people. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, so wow. you know, so I'm being raised by people who came out of the depths of apartheid. So guns for me yeah. are as attached to the Second Amendment in terms of assuring my freedoms as any fucking white Anglo-Saxon Protestant in our member who believes sure. every black guy is Tupac. You know what I'm saying? I am as married to that to that as he is, and that's a very weird place to be in in a society where huh? a lot of other minorities are liberal. But yeah, I'm a I'm a proud gun owner. Yeah. And I think every American household should have five guns. Yeah. Five. You should have a rifle for a hunting rifle, bolt action rifle, you should have a semi-automatic rifle, you should have a semi-automatic handgun, you should have a revolver, and you should have a shotgun. Why those five? You would have the revolver for protecting yourself um, in public amongst raw as a, a backup, as a carry. Most yeah. times a backup. You'd have a semi-automatic as a daily carry. So my father carries okay. usually semi-automatic. That's my attitude, somewhere too. Yep. Keep the revolver yep. like in the car right, right. Exactly. and then on my body is the semi-automatic. Absolutely, absolutely. You keep okay. a shotgun for defense of home because right. usually when someone hears that click, click, they're going to get they're the done. fuck out or yeah. you just bolt yourself in that room and if someone comes to that door, you send Boom. it out. Both action rifles are for hunting and or sniping. That's what I just For hunting if, in terms of having food and in terms of sniping. If the yeah. worst should ever happen and society should break down like it did in 1992, you mm -hmm. can stand on top of your home, front of your store, make sure people don't get to your fort. And the AR-15 uh, right. or the... Like the uh, I was just the watching the Rodney King thing and the Absolutely. Koreans on the rooftops. That's Absolutely. what you're talking about. Absolutely. And that's, and that's for protecting. No matter who you are, who you're sniping yeah. against. I thought that was a smart move on their part considering brilliant. the situation. It was brilliant. Yeah. And the semi-automatic rifle, because I believe every American citizen should be able to have a gun that is at least in the image of what the military has. When people say, mm. when people, and, and that is for the strict resistance of tyranny. I because, agree. If they want to uh, ban assault rifles, then the cops shouldn't be able to carry them. Yeah, and we shouldn't really yeah. be teaching any, you know, yeah. like, no. Nah. Like we're going to be done yeah. with it, we're going to be done with it. Like, yeah. Nobody gets them. Exactly. exactly. But if the cops have them, exactly. and they're the power structure, exactly. and you're the guy that's like, oh, you want to take the thing that kind of keeps you from just I don't trust you that much. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't trust you that much. I, you know. Yeah, we I, shouldn't trust. Like, the thing is. You shouldn't yeah. trust government that much because it could go a much easier way, no, Mike. I, know. I tell people all the time, 
When I say kill your masters, people assume I'm automatically talking about, hey, let's go take over every government. Like, <laughs> like you could do that. You could, like, theoretically, you could knock off well, every politician above a governor. That's why there's a whole power structure yeah. in the first place. But everyone <laughs> could just disagree, could agree to do, not do it. Yeah. We could all, in this town of Denver, say we're not paying our power bill next month. Sure. And everybody who works at a power company could say, well, I'm not flipping the button to turn anybody's shit off. Mm-hmm. What's the head of fucking Denver Power going to do? It's going to come fucking down here and hit everybody's box, turn everybody's shit off? No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Absolutely fucking not. Revolution is that easy. No. And if we ever get well, killed, it'll be for that statement I just said. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it does happen. There yeah. are nonviolent uh, revolutions happening around the world, yeah. and it really doesn't get reported in the regular media. But more well. likely than not, you're going to have to resist the arms, and that's why I support it. No, I worry about that. I mean, I'm a, I don't know. I just, yeah, I worry about shit like that. We'll see. As long as you worry, you probably should be a owner. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. And also, you know, I have the example of my father that's just, like, been able to stop bad shit from happening. And I feel like I'm smart enough to know when to when to get into it with somebody or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, first, the first thing should be to walk away. Just get home safe. Yeah. Survive the encounter. You know what I mean? As a kid getting jumped by Jolos, I learned to run. Yeah. <laughs> run, Forrest, run. Man, I used to buck. Yo, white kids get it kind of bad when they grow up amongst minority groups. You guys kind of. I was a shock to my system. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in upstate New York in, the, in a little town called Hamlin. Yeah. And then you I don't remember back. a single black kid or brown kid or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't remember. And. When we got to New Mexico in 79, I immediately started getting jumped, and I didn't understand what was going on, and oh, it was just ruthless. That, happened, that went on for years, and I was, I guess, eight when I moved there, so like eight to 13. You were pretty, pretty big, so you didn't probably know about That was kind of the problem. They wanted to test me, because I was the tallest kid in school. Yo, did you, like, just eventually just savagely beat the shit out of one kid in their ass my high school, or did you get some homies and just, like, mm. stop fucking with them? I never really, well, I guess it would depend on what you call savage. Because a lot of times what would frankly happen is my glasses would get knocked off the first time I'd get punched. Yeah. So I would just, I'd be kind of firing, not at random, I could kind of see, yeah. you know, face versus body. But my whole tactic was to get on top of them and yeah. then uh, just smash them in the face until yeah, somebody right pulled up. me off because I go. couldn't really tell. There you go. But I don't know if that was savage. I yeah, mean, I probably savage. was like, wow! I don't want to fight you, man. I don't want to fight you, dude. Stop fighting me. You know, and just like smashing them. Any blood ever? Oh, lots. Yeah, that's savage. You did yeah. what you think. Yeah. Oh, you got to look, man. You got to resist. Like, fuck that. Kemp's well, they made me bleed all the time. Yeah, That fuck was the that thing shit. with the first hit because the I'd have the glasses with the little nose piece and it would give me a cut. So I always had like a cut this way or this way across my forehead that's when I was a kid. It was fucked up, dude. I mean, it's fucked Every up. Every time my glasses broke, my dad would kick my ass. Not like terrible or anything, but just like, God damn it. You know, he was a barber and just was like, a hundred bucks for new glasses in like 1980 was a lot. He was hurting. He was just like, fuck, man. You gotta quit. You gotta take your glasses what off, dude. I'm like, I did jumps. You know? What ended the ass with the campaign? What's that? What ended the ass with the campaign? Frankly, uh, there was a kid that started shit with me that was an eighth grader when I was a sixth grader. The dynamic of junior high. And I beat the shit out of him. That's what does. In the schoolyard. 
And I didn't, I think I was screaming, I don't want to fight you the whole time. Just like that, somebody had to pull me off. And I was so scared he was going to jump me the next day that I brought a bat to school. And fucking, I think I went out at lunch and I didn't bring the bat with me. And sure enough, he attacked me. And we got into it all crazy and ended up in the principal's office and he ended up being a little bitch. Like he was like, this guy, I don't know this guy, he started it. I don't know what's his problem. And I was just looking at him like, really, dude? After all this, you started it. And now you're going to go out like that? It was like a real wake-up call as a kid to just be like, this is how people are. What's his problem? Like, you know, yeah, he was just, ah, oh, it was awful. And I got sent home. And I remember my mother was home, and she was like, what are you doing home early? And I'm like, oh, I got suspended for fighting. And she was like, oh, huh, all right, well, well what are you going to do? I'm going to go skateboarding. She was like, okay. And then at dinner, like, we go through the dinner, and at the end of dinner, mom was like, so what did you really, you know, what really happened today? You know, and I'm like, no, really, I got into a fight. Like, I got sent home. I, I, I'm suspended. Like, I have to go to school tomorrow, and they're just going to sit me in a closet inside the room all day. You know, and uh, she was just like, what, what happened? You know? <laughs> she couldn't believe it, you know, but that, that definitely happened. I mean, my dad definitely had to, like, tell me how to hold a fist and push through and, you know, That's the thing about not growing up around a lot of family, too. Like, growing mm -hmm. up in a black family in the South, your cousins are kicking your ass they want yeah, I didn't really have any yeah, of that hassle from my family. And yeah. that's the thing, when I moved to New Mexico, it was just like, I had no, no experience with just, just random violence. Yeah. I just didn't get it. Now I totally understand yeah. what was going on. Yeah. You know? I get it. But, and for better or worse, it made me who I am. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's why it's, sometimes it's hard for me to get gung-ho about the Stop Bullying campaigns as, as a campaign as much as I might. At a certain point, man, life's gonna bully the shit out of you. And you're gonna have that moment out there. Yeah, but with that said, I've seen a lot of kids, man, who I didn't think had to put their fucking face, put their fist through their face. Just finally, like, you know, I think kids should be taught. Because whether you win or lose, it's like, are you willing to? Once you are yeah. willing to fight, no one really wants to fight anymore because you're still a tall, strong motherfucker. Like, you just no. didn't realize. No, no, I didn't want it to continue.